The Real Estate Story with Adrian Butera. Hi everybody and welcome to The Real Estate Story, coming to you live from our studio for today and the next six weeks. In fact, it's my daughter's bedroom at my home. So thank you for joining me to what I know is going to be a very special episode during this lockdown period for all those listeners that are home at the moment, those Victorians that are home listening. I welcome you and I welcome everybody all around the world listening in over this next few weeks. Ladies and gents, we've got a very special episode for you today. My two guests will join me in a few moments, Lisa and Lauren Garner, they're architects, They've travelled around the world studying and practising architecture and award-winning, and I'll be delighted to interview them in a few moments. But before we get started, I'd like to start with a story. This week's story, once again, a couple of years ago when Compton Green were managing Vic Road's land. This land was in Footscray, and we were asked to manage the land for some time, several blocks, just over a dozen vacant blocks of land and what would you have to do with managing land it's very simple manage the grass manage illegal occupations fences etc it were certainly wasn't too difficult however it dawned on me at some point in time where I thought it would be way better if we had someone on the land rather than keeping it vacant it was surplus to the government and they weren't particularly looking for new needs at that time but I started to investigate what could it look like if we could put properties on them And if they needed the land back, they could take the properties off. Portable housing seemed like the right answer. So I started to make some investigations. I spoke to a few companies to get an idea of what was required to put these portable housings on these sites. I then instigated a meeting with the Maradon Council and Vic Road's executives where we all sat around a round table at council and discussed the possibilities on what would it look like if affordable housing, portable housing was placed on these sites and... Did they have an appetite? Well, I learnt one thing that afternoon. They did have an appetite. An appetite to develop and give back. Now, as things have it, as an estate agent managing a large team, managing a large business, my distractions got diverted. Now, when I say I got my distractions got diverted, I wasn't focused on this low-cost housing project, perhaps as much as I should have been. But unbeknownst to me, I seeded the idea with Vic Roads that continued continued on behind the scenes and about two and a half odd years later I got a phone call to say do you remember that project in Footscray those vacant blocks of land well it's got approval it's got permission launch housing is going to run the project Vic Roads are going to support it and it's also got private funding I can't I can't tell you how delighted I was with that outcome I can't tell you how special that was to me to know that that little idea that I seeded continued on and has since been created. In fact, if you drive down there right now, you'll see at least half of the properties have been developed and most have got tenants in there already. The tenants living in these low-cost housing, beautiful architectural, movable homes. A compliment, a credit to the government, a credit to the people that funded it, and it's just a great outcome as well for council as well. So well done to everybody involved. Look forward to our special guest. Are you on the move with a smartphone in hand? Go to comptongreen.com.au and our mobile-friendly website will make it easy to find the latest listings for sale and rent in the inner west. Okay, so now it's my very special and I'm honoured to welcome my guests... Here they are, Lisa and Lauren Garner. Welcome to you both, ladies. 
Hello. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Now, I know that you've listened to the podcast before and I'm, I'm really pleased to have you on. Uh, now, can I, for those that are watching, and there's a handful of people watching I can see, for those that are watching, should we just tell everybody now that you're twins? Should we just tick that box? <laughs> In case they were wondering. In case they were. Yeah, yeah, great. Look, thank you for coming along. Now, you're both got really cool and very special roles out out there. You're um, you're both architects, architects in design. So, can, you know, let's start with you, Lise. Tell us where you are, where have you studied? Give us a quick insight. Where I am. Right now, I'm working at Fieldwork Architects. I guess they're a relatively youngish architecture firm in Collingwood. Um, and I started working there because I was very interested in the multi-residential housing work that they were doing. Um, but they've really diversified and are working on everything now. So a lot of, well, there was a lot of office buildings. Um, that's sort of all of that's changed, but they're also in sort of education sector and, um, so that's my day job. Um, but on the side, I've kind of always been interested in affordable housing and housing in the suburbs of Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, that goes back to some of the projects I was working on before field work. Yeah, cool. Well, let's come back to that. Let's come back to that in a moment. Now, Lauren, give us a quick insight. Where are you at? What's, uh, what firm are you with? Um, I work for Kirsten Thompson Architects. Um, uh, yeah, relatively medium-sized office um, run by Kirsten. Um, she's quite senior and has a pretty extensive um, like portfolio, I guess, I guess across housing, but also um, moving into sort of cultural public buildings um, and a lot of heritage um, and restoration of existing buildings, um, sort of a specialty of hers. Um, I haven't been with her for too long, probably only about a few months. And before that, um, I was working for a Norwegian architecture office um, on Melbourne-based projects. Um, so, yeah. Now, that's that's a really interesting little segue there because in your you, you're going to need to fill some gaps for me because I might get this wrong. But have you both studied overseas? You, bo- you both have studied there and worked there as a result. Lauren, you, you spent a, a bit of time there. Um, I spent two... Um, semesters abroad, one in Barcelona, where yeah. um, I studied at the university there, and one at the university that Lisa was doing her master's at. So um, Lisa did her master's in Berlin, and um, so we sort of, I guess, construed a plan for me to go over there, and I did a semester there. Um, and then, yeah, shortly after that, when I did come back to Melbourne to work, um, I found work with a, yeah, a European architecture office, um, but I operated out of Melbourne entirely during that time. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Lisa, you studied in Berlin and yeah. you worked with a firm there as well. So yeah. yeah give, was, give us some insights. What did that look like? Yeah. Um, it was an amazing experience. It was actually about seven years that I lived there. <laughs> so, even in that time, there was, yeah, I worked for a few different offices and I did exchange and then I went on to do my master's. But, um, I would say working there, yeah, was quite different, but I worked for different types of offices. One of them was really um, small scale, doing some really, um, 
experimental stuff in the city that less about buildings and more about um, people in public space. Um, well, so, yeah. yeah. So tell me, so, so you both did, am I right, you both did your masters at Melbourne Uni? No. We did our bachelors at Bachel Melbourne Uni. Bachelors so at after, Melbourne Uni. Uh, yep. Okay. And then masters, we kind of were off doing a number of different things. Right. I finished my masters at um, RMIT. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, you, you study here in, in Melbourne, but then abroad, further study and, and for work for you as well. Tell me, before I talk about your awards and some of that social housing and community building, I want to just get a quick insight. Well, I mean, what's it like when you, you look at architecture, which is really in many respects, geographical. You know, Australia has a certain type, a certain series of, of styles and designs, and then you go over there and you get influenced differently. What what gets created? I mean, your minds must be going berserk. Totally. I think you come back home and you look at everything with a totally different lens and it, you're just like, why? why? You're sort of like, why? It doesn't have to be like this. It just is. We just, like, get stuck into a default mode and so when you've seen how different things can be, you guess you're just constantly challenging it. Um. Yeah, I think one of the interesting observations that we made or that we were able to make um, because I did my master's in Australia and Lisa did hers overseas um, was that I think um, there's a, a, big, a bigger premise on sort of theoretical and conceptual ideas in Australia, we felt like... Um, a lot more about developing sort of critical critical thinking skills and artistic um, agency. And um, whereas we, I think what we noticed quite a lot in Europe particularly um, was that there seemed much more of an emphasis on sort of practical, practical resolution and problem solving through sort of, um, you know, technical resolution and um, design, I guess, sort of in a more traditional way. Um, so that sort of like balancing those two skills was something we tried to do, um, you know, when we worked together, it was nice to have that complementary sort of skill set. But I think it's definitely something we've been able to pick up on and make sure we sort of able to pay attention to both sides of architecture. Do you, do you feel when you're overseas, whether you're studying or working and you're dealing with projects with the history of some buildings, do you have this added weight on your shoulders to go, oh, my God, this place is 500 years old, this place is 1,000 years old, whatever the case may be, and you're dealing with a restoration or extension, do they encourage your mindset to relax? Or is that a huge obligation? Is that the word? Responsibility. Uh, huge, huge moral <laughs> obligation. Talk for the project I worked on in Berlin in existing buildings. Um, yeah, it's not. It, it's a... I mean, you're for those types of projects. You're always dealing with the her like the city and heritage consultants. So there's like an extremely rigorous process of what needs to be done. Um, and I guess you just approach everything with so much sensitivity. And yeah, you can't just do what you want. It's very, very sensitive and it's very delicate. And but you kind of I think it's a nice way to be because actually they are such beautiful, such beautiful um, older structures. Amazing buildings. Yeah. Well, I'm I've not. I've not seen Berlin, but I could imagine the pressures and the designs that you'd be dealing with. So let's let's stay overseas because now the both of you, if I got this right, you both went for this international award, both involved. Yeah, we it was we a competition. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, let, let, let's talk about it. It was a couple of years ago. It was only a couple of years ago, but it was a really significant award uh, that you nominated for in 2018. Uh, now, I've written it down here, ACOMS, A-E-C-O-M. Yep. What, what is, what's that stand for? What's that? Um, you don't know. They're, they're, it's an acronym. They're, they're, sort of, um, they're one of the largest sort of consulting offices in yeah. the world. Um, which is interesting because a lot of people don't know about them and not so much here, but um, in America, they're quite sort of well known and they also have sort of one of the largest in-house architectural consultancies in the world, I think, something ridiculous like that. Um, so you guys nominated for the Urban Sustainability Award and it was a competition, uh, a global international prize. And tell us about the project that you put forward. Um. Yeah, it kind of, it came about, it was, I saw this competition shortly after I'd done my thesis and I was still in Berlin and Lauren was still in Melbourne, but the thesis I'd done was, um, because the, the overarching agenda for the award was about how to deal with population growth in cities. Um, and so the, the project I'd done my thesis was looking at Melbourne's middle ring and how to, how to deal with Melbourne's growing population. Um, and kind of saw the suitability of that project to the award. And so we decided to, um, yeah, submit submit that project and the idea as a team. And um, it was like a series of stages. So we got through to the first round and then we actually had to develop the idea further, like with, with the team from ACOM. And then um, we eventually got shortlisted to the final, final four. Um, and that was, sort of more workshopping, but in Los Angeles. Um, so it was a pretty cool experience to, to go to LA and um, then present the, the project in a 10-minute ten, ten pitch. So you guys, you did it together? Yeah. Yeah, went, went to LA together. Present, so what's that like? A room of 10, 10 people? What, what's it look like? Big, they big. made it a bit of a spectacle, actually. Oh, did they? Um, it was downtown LA. They rented this big space and had, you know, I don't know, big catering sort of event, maybe two to 300 people or something like that, just wow. so they were to bolster a bit of excitement. But really, we were just presenting the 10 minute pitch to the to the jury and they were going to go away to, I guess, decide. Um, and how'd you go? So, so everybody listening is going, okay, so you've gone for this International Sustainability Award. So how did it all go? He ended up um it was a there was two first um prizes so we drew as winners so you won that's uh, that's how yeah, i read won. it you won yeah we won yeah <laughs> fantastic what what an exciting what an exciting time of your careers to win such an outstanding achievement particularly when you look at the the name of the project and you've given me some brief insights over the years but uh, you know a sustainability award in, in your style and design and you know architectural standing out internationally it must be it must be one of those really beautiful things to have on the resume I would imagine yeah yeah it's, it's a pretty great accomplishment and i think also pretty exciting given that it was based on melbourne and a solution for melbourne so to have that sort of um you know have that sort of um on the table on the sort of in a global conversation was also kind of interesting and um rewarding i think so tell me so you've got this international experience you've won this these amazing this amazing award and you continue to put yourself in front of these opportunities 
I, I want to pose a question to you both, given your experiences, seeing what you're seeing in Melbourne right now, and when you look at Melbourne today, uh, it's uh, obviously in, in the midst of the pandemic, pandemic, second wave, bit of a ghost town. Uh, can you share with me your thoughts on what's going to happen uh, with Melbourne real estate? You've probably asked me, me that before, but really what's going to happen with Melbourne design five years' time um, give me some future insights that, that's going through your minds. Silence. Who's going to go first? <laughs> go um, on, Lauren, tell us. Well, I guess, oh gosh. Um, I mean, it's a hard one, but I feel like the whole pandemic in, gen- in general is sort of kickstarting or reinvigorating a lot of architectural sort of architects to sort of um, start thinking about new ways to design or I guess... Um, find the new opportunities um, or creative sort of um, scenarios within which we can, you know, come up with new typologies or um, adapt existing buildings. And, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think already there's been, um, amongst architects, there's been a lot of um, discussion already about change in design and um, existing models like the, you know, the freestanding house and, you know, um, um, there's been a lot of discussions around, you know, what the garage becomes and, you know, the importance of passive airflow and um, turning the garage into a workspace um, to work from home, um, you know, and setting up setting up sort of um, scenarios like that so we can um, better prepare for clients coming in with um, these sorts of requests. Um, and then I think, I mean, I think maybe we spoke about it briefly before, but um, uh, the amount of um, empty stock in the city um like i live in the city so i've just been watching by the week um the amount of tenancies just um vacating and just the sheer volume of office buildings that are still um under construction which um is just mind-blowing but um i think yeah in the in the years to come there'll be there'll be a lot of um a lot of putting heads together trying to figure out um ways to i guess um rejig those buildings to we're, we're all going to think differently we're, we, we yeah. feel it already we sense it already and I, remember yeah. I was only scanning through LinkedIn this morning and I saw a comment by one of the Victorian a significant developer in Victoria talking up office space and whilst I can't deny him the opportunity to talk it up because there's so much of it there's an abundance of it and until mm-hmm. people can solve um, if there is that problem and I don't know that we can see it clearly today we might have clearer glasses in 12 months time and see that right well, there is this abundance of office space and what can we do with it uh, and how do we get people either back in or how do we push them out whatever that decision is whatever that flow is I guess it's really really important it affects so many things doesn't it community spaces outdoor spaces uh, shopping I mean shopping goodness we're all retail. online oh, retail. yeah I mean, Melbourne has such it has such a strong preface on these sort of retail precincts, which define communities and towns and people's sense of pride and where they live. And um, it'll just be interesting to see where that all goes when there's sort of an absence of really strong retail, physical retail. Yeah. What about uh, what about the low cost? Let, let, let's move to the. Um, the low-cost housing, affordable housing, let's community-style housing. I know you've both had a bit of a uh, – you've both got ideas around that. 
Um, Lisa, what, what you, you started talking about that and you, you've got a bit of a, a passion towards that. Tell us a bit about that. Um, I guess it really all started from that ACOM competition project, which is first instance of diving into those issues of this kind of phenomenon that like, yes, our population is growing in Melbourne. We can't really continue to build new suburbs on the periphery of our city. I mean, we can, but we're just eating into our kind of natural habitat. Um, and, and then, you know, it means more vehicle traffic and, you know, socially isolated communities, but at the same time, you know, our CBD is now kind of like overpopulated. Um, and so it kind of leaves, there's this sort of middle ring in Melbourne, which is where a lot of the aging housing stock is um, that's getting demolished anyway. And it's kind of this real opportunity to, um, I don't know, th think anew about this sort of like medium density housing, which is kind of like the most, I think the most interesting um, density and model for housing. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I guess that's a topic I'm really interested in. Um, and yeah, I'm now working on another competition proposal, which is sort of... What's with the competitions? What's what's going on there? Why do you like the competitions? <laughs> they're, they're kind of really good opportunities for young architects. Like, um, it's, I think sometimes work in a practice can be quite, not tedious, but like there's a lot of, there's just a lot of... A lot of repeat, a lot of mundane. A lot of repetitive stuff. Yeah, so. okay. I guess you're also con con contractually confined by what the client wants and, sure. you know, you don't not necessarily um, get the outcome you want. And so yeah. you've got that freedom in competitions to really drive drive things the way you want them to go and think outside of the box a bit more. Um, yeah. Now, I'm conscious, Lisa, you may need to go. But before you go, and, I, and I'm going to I'm going to wrap up anyway because it's been it's been great to have a chat. But before you go, so what's the future hold? I can almost picture on a building somewhere, sort of Ghana and Ghana. <laughs> Is that going to happen one day? We'll definitely, yeah, we'll be collaborating on something on something, yeah, in the near future. Yeah, yeah I hope your boss is still figuring it out. This. We're still figuring out the best way to collaborate because you know it has its ups and downs. Um, you know, being twins, there can be some nasty moments and things like that, but no, we'll I, get I, there. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a moment. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's all harmony. Look, ladies, I'm. I'm going to wrap things up. I really am so delighted. I, I think we could talk for hours on multiple subjects, whether it's you know your learning and experiences overseas, the social housing component, the affordable housing, where you see the need, where the changes are going to be. It could just go on and on. Uh, Lisa and Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on The Real Estate Story. For those that are listening, I have to confess that Lisa and Lauren are my cousin. We are cousins. Of course, I know everybody's looking right now and can see the similarity. But uh, I'm delighted to have uh, two cousins that have just got two great careers ahead of them. They've already forged um, an amazing career and uh, clearly it's just going to continue to forge on the right path. So thanks for joining me on The Real Estate Story. Thanks, Thank you so much. Thanks, yeah. guys. Great to talk to you. Thanks very much. Bye. Enjoy the day. You too. The Real Estate Story brought to you by Compton Green.